Welcome to the art and science of complex sales. You've joined us in the coaching quarter. This podcast is dedicated to elevating the sales profession. Our listeners range from first-time salespeople to seasoned sales leaders and driven CEOs. They all come to learn from the best in the business. As we interview top sales transformation specialists, go-to-market leaders, revenue thought leaders, and more with only one question on our minds, how we get better together. This 12-episode quarter brought to you by Membrane.com will start to hone in on a key element in performance, sales coaching. Each of our guests speaks to this a bit differently and brings their own unique take, but all cover the topic, how to execute, and the exponential impact it makes. So let's start shining bright and get kicked off with today's guest. No training or consulting or technology will make a sustainable impact on sales unless you embed sales execution disciplines into the fabric of your business through your sales managers. You must coach them and empower them to drive results through their team. This is the mantra of Alan Versteek, Global Chief Revenue Officer of Growth Matters. An international sales executive turned coach, trainer, and sales aficionado, Alan has the background and the chops to turn theory into revenue and managers into effective coaches that drive multiplication. So let's get started with Alan Versteek. Alan, welcome to the Art and Science of Complex Sales. How are you, my man? I'm getting you pull you well. I am I am doing absolutely wonderful. What part of the world are you coming from? Uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. I think you're our first South African uh, resident that's been on the show. Oh, good. Feel privileged. We're at a new milestone, which is fantastic. No, I think we're going country by country. This is this is a lot of fun. But uh, no, thank you so much for joining joining us today. I'm I'm super excited, and just for everybody on the show. I'm super excited to get your perspective on a lot of things, mainly team building and coaching, because I think you have a fantastic perspective on that. But the first thing I want to dive into with you is Alan Versteeg, Define Sales. Yeah, I would I would say that sales is an ecosystem by which our selling resources are maximized. And what I mean by that is so many times when we work with organizations and leaders, they tend to see sales as a role. So when we have a challenge with sales, let's fix the salesperson, let's enable the salesperson, let's remunerate the salesperson, not realizing it's a much broader ecosystem. You know, things like your remuneration models and your customer engagement models and your sales intelligence and your technology, all of these things play part of that, that, that system. So the way I define it is sales is an ecosystem by which we maximize our resources for uh, value creation. That's how I would put it. And an ecosystem means like a Rubik's Cube. So making sure we get all sides of that Rubik's Cube working. So what are the sides of the Rubik's Cube? Do you have certain pillars that you have in your ecosystem? Yeah, first we see the the, the three pillars as kind of three primary roles. You're your sales professional, really frontline, understanding that talent and motivation and engagement. You're your sales leader, which is really around transformation. So there's a bunch of pillars under how do I transform the organization, my sales culture, my sales understanding, you know, the maturity in that space. I mean, your case in point is, you know, organizations don't have a mature understanding of sales and that knocks onto the bottom line. So we have all these things we're trying to do at that front line of sales. We've got a leader who thinks that, you know, salespeople are coin operated. So there's an understanding piece that leaders got to drive. Um, sales managers are all about execution. So how do we execute? What's our metrics? What's our planning? What's our talent development, our coaching? What sits there? And in sales operations and enablement, which is creating those safe environments, how to help you be more productive. But also, you know, we need psychological safety. 
So if Alan and Paul are working on a deal together, what's your commission? What's my commission? How does that play out? And the more mature that is, the safer I feel. So it's definitely a broader you know, framework than just that role. And the kind of four pillars are the enablement, the leader, the manager, and then the frontline sales professional. So you, you had a phrase in there, sales salespeople are not corn operated? <laughs> Wait a <laughs> second. Wait a second. That's, from from a majority of, uh, that's been a saying for majority, like majority of CEOs that you can talk to. Yeah, they're corn operated. No, it, that's I'm, I'm in jest, but uh, tell me a little bit more about you know that sales that salesperson role and the interaction of it'll di- help us dive in help us in, between sales leadership sales management the salesperson and the sales operations those are four amazing parts but what where do you start on that uh yeah, paul a great question you know you, you have to define everything from the sales conversation backwards right so when you think of that sales ecosystem at the center if you look at it as a cycle at the center is your customer and you got your frontline salespeople. Now, I want, I want everyone all to listen to this. Our salespeople are mimicking the internal conversations we're having. So if I'm a sales manager who's the next layer of that rung, the conversations I have are mirrored in the conversation the salesperson has. So if I say to them, is there any more opportunity where we can sell them something? At an extreme level, the sales professional is going to be acting in a way that's going to be saying, hey, customer, can I sell you some more stuff? Can I sell you some more kits? If I ask the salesperson, what specifically in their business will change as a result of them working with us? What specifically in their business is a challenge we can help them overcome that they're unaware of? The sales conversation changes. So as we go back out of that ecosystem from the customer outwards, we find account management that is data-driven, not built around, oh, we, you know, the report card of customer value. We've got CRM systems that are data repositories. They're not inside tools to improve the conversation. So at the heart of your sales ecosystem is your customer, obviously. But the key point is to understand is everything you do in a business has to be designed from the conversation backwards. How does what I do enhance the conversation? And when organizations are overly, and I say overly poor because it's a dial, it's not a switch, but when they're overly courtly driven, when they're overly number orientated, when they're overly focused on every conversation managers are having are just about the management and auditing the number and speaking about the outcome. They're not influencing their frontline conversation. And for every leader, manager, and operational person, this is the question you have to ask yourself. How does what we're trying to do enhance the frontline conversation? And if you don't have that lens, then you're starting at the wrong design point, right? That's the design point you want to operate in the sales ecosystem. How do you start there and then spread that? I mean, that that's a great starting point. I, I respect the heck out of you doing that and then driving it through. But what are the, some of the key things then? Let's start talking about... Number one, how do I find that sales conversation that makes an impact? And number two, then how do I truly start to operationalize that? Because you're talking about culture change. You're not talking about salesperson behavior change. Yeah, and I'd say that you know, salesperson behavior change is definitely part of it. But it, it, you have to look at this as a culture because that is what drives that sustainable outcome. The language we use, Paul, is you've got to establish disciplines. Right? Everyone's working on the enablement train, but nobody's embedding the key disciplines. So regardless of your technology or your methodology or your consulting, if I don't have a discipline of robust pipeline nurturing, then no matter what you put on that train, it doesn't work because I don't have that track laid. So to answer your question, go to the front line. It starts with, what is the job a salesperson is hired to do? Now, in a word, it's to sell. But to sell, they have to have, you know, build the right relationships through relevant conversations that create value and align outcomes. So if I take those four roles, the next question is, what are you doing to make that easier? 
So I don't know for each business exactly what a relevant conversation looks like for that area. But so often we don't design our marketing material, as an example, for a relevant conversation. We don't design our CRM systems and technology to enable a relevant conversations to establish the right relationships. Because contrary to customer relationship management software, people manage relationships, right? So how does the technology enhance my ability to do that? So everything's going to be looking at a simplified lens of that's the job of a salesperson. I step back to the job of a sales manager. They have to get the number by executing the strategy through their people to drive customer value. Great. What are we doing to enhance that area? Because as our friend Mike Weinberg says, the number one job of a sales manager is to ensure salespeople do their number one job. But Paul, you know the stats far better than me. We are continuously tapping our salespeople on the sole shoulder, turning them away from the value conversation and asking them to audit themselves. And the problem is that the accountants, the auditor, and we're not getting the data we want. So I would say is where do you start? You start by clarifying that we're deploying these resources to do those four things well. And everything we do needs to enhance that to support the conversation. And this is why I wanted to get so much into you with the conversation around coaching and building teams, because it's you look at it in a much different way than many others I've seen online, right? Which is even if you are going to affect if you are going to effectively coach, you need a you need a paradigm within which to coach to be able to drive success at that conversational level to enhance the sales conversation, not which is what a lot of people describe coaching as, and they I think they confuse it a lot with micromanagement, that you need to fill out these seven fields in the sales force. Therefore, our accountants and my myself, that I my job at the top is to, you know, forecast and those type of things, that I can do that better, right? At the very top, I need to be able to, the ecosystem has to work in a way that I can do my job really well in terms of the forecasting by enabling that powerful sales conversation all the way on the front lines and empowering that sales conversation and making it more effective. So tell me how then you start to work with organ we that sales conversation is is critical and understanding that. How do you start to develop an ecosystem for coaching and empowering those sales reps that actually drives that sales conversation more effectively? Because that's a big job. And I mean, and Paul, I'm going to steal your word there. So the key thing is you need to understand the paradigm of what you're trying to shift. And this is where we see it flawed. I, I would argue that there's nine key paradigms of coaching conversations we need to have. And I think what's happened is in coaching and organizations, I see three types. There's coaching not taking place. There's in, in, incorrect coaching taking place, which I call you know fake coaching. I'll explain that now. And then there's the effective coaching. The not coaching place is unfortunately more common than we realize. Although we all speak about the value of coaching and the massive impact and all the data every year supports it, the reality is it's the first meeting canceled and the last metric measured. So leaders that are listening to this call, the place you've got to start is you've got to make sure this is the non-negotiable discipline in your business. What then happens for is somebody just push back and say, Al, do we do this? You look, yeah, we've got this coaching cadence and this is what it looks like. And generally when I get into it, it is, it is a performance-based coaching conversation. And I'll explain what I mean here. There's a common methodology. I have nothing wrong with methodology. It's powerful for performance coaching. It's called grow, right? So this is this is this is the the the, the goal. This is the reality. That's the R. This is the opportunities to close the gap between the reality and your goal. And this is what you're going to go and do. And the challenge with that is most organizations get into what you said was a management conversation or an auditing conversation. 
And we're speaking about, you know, telling people the what to do, but not coaching the how. Now, I'll explain a different paradigm. If Paul's struggling with pipeline, I need to have a pipeline review conversation that coaches Paul to have more volume, velocity, value, and a healthy shape in his pipeline. But if Alan is struggling with value communication, I'm going to make sure that Alan's got substance and style and sequence in his conversations. But but if Mike is struggling to get momentum behind his deals, I'm going to make sure that I'm coaching around that there's a genuine opportunity, that we know their, their options, that we know the timing. And all of these things are different. And then, well, they're not overly complicated. The problem is we go in with the wrong intent. Most managers go into, go into what I call an auditing and inspection prove mindset as opposed to a development improve mindset. So what we do is we actually just use it to validate the data the person put in. And where is that valuable to the customer? If you go back to the ecosystem, how is that improving the sales conversation? It's not. Because all it's telling you is, hey, Alan, you suck. Could you suck less by doing these five things? It doesn't shift my behavior. And it doesn't change the frontline conversation. You're, I'm still stuck on that was what that was a fantastic description. I'm still stuck on the first meeting canceled, the last meeting measured. Like mm. that absolutely why is that? Why is it the first the first meeting canceled and the last meeting measured? Because we know what like what are some of the stats around coaching? You know this better than anybody. What is What's it the is, impact it is, when you do it, it well? Stupid numbers. It is true. It is an average of an 86% above baseline performance improvement. I mean, it is a stupid number. There's not a collective piece of technology, methodology, or anything that comes anywhere near that change. And Paul, I want to share this. If we think pre-technology world, this is what an infield sales manager did. You know, this isn't new stuff that I'm sharing. I'm just bringing the value of the past to the end of technology, not the or technology. And it's 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 profoundly valuable. The challenge is it's, it's a false sense of security. So we cancel it because we've got 97 other meetings in our calendar that are irrelevant to the frontline sales conversation. We get distracted by it. And because coaching is an immediate reward, it kind of feels like well, we're not doing this. The other thing is coaching requires a level of patience that you get the reward for. And we live in this high-paced world. So let me just hop on a call with our, our listener. I, I, I know we booked an hour, but I've got 10 minutes. Just quickly look at, you know, what's your purpose? Okay, you know what you've got to do? Okay, great. Go and do that. If Al knew what to do, Alan would go do it. We misinterpret that people with the right intention, the right passion, and Paul, even the right skill set, just know what to do. Coaching is about identifying the blind spot of actions we can take to move forward. Tiger Woods as coach is not a better golfer than Tiger Woods. But Tiger Woods is going to lift his right foot too high on the follow-through on some shots, and someone's going to say, hey, buddy, there's something you're not seeing. And we don't do this, Paul. And I want to share this metaphor because then this is critical, is what we then do is we have this cannonball management approach. We fire the cannonball, we miss the targets, and then we go to the data to validate why we missed. And it's a raging debate. And I, I remember one of the big lessons you taught me, Al. The only way to know if a company's adopted a CRM system is if they're not using Excel. <laughs> right. Which is such <laughs> a valid truth because if you're using Excel, then it hasn't landed the way it should. But the point was we go and find the information and everyone debates. Someone says it's the cannonball. Someone says it's the gunpowder. You know, the smart engineers like me say it's the the the, the brake force of the wheel can't handle the reverberation of the turret, so it throws us off. And it sounds fancy, so it's the right answer. But the point is it's flawed because the debate is irrelevant. We've lost the deal. We've lost the conversation. We've lost the opportunity. Coaching is cruise missile management where the manager is the satellite. Measurement, feedback, measurement, feedback, leveraging technology, leveraging data to support that along the journey, not after the fact. 
if you're in control of your sales team, you never have to do a deal post-mortem. You will know when you lose the deal as to why you lost the deal. And it's those disciplines that we're stripping away, Paul. And it's that that shift in we need coaching to be seen as this cruise missile approach. And that's that sales understanding where we, we're correcting the trajectory along the way. We're not merely trying to after the fact justify why we missed or hit something. Because the, the flip side, and actually negative, is we hit the number, but we don't know why. And next year we don't, and we're going, oh, gosh, what happened? Well, we, we haven't actually got a good sales ecosystem. You said something there when you're talking about Tiger Woods that just really, really struck me and I think is one of the flaws uh, in many, many people's thoughts around good sales coaching is that Tiger Woods' golf coach is not a better golfer than Tiger Woods. How do we get into a, an ecosystem where coaching and the coaches themselves, right? They don't need to be the best salespeople. They need to be the best coaches. How does that get developed? Because that goes against a lot of the stuff in terms of how we manage and promote sales sales leaders. I mean, oh, you're really good at this. So you can go and tell these 15 people how to do it. Uh, and they should follow it exactly like you, right? That's and this is a part of our our process. It's a part of our assembly line process that we have, but it's really not the most efficient when you think about it. Yeah, Paul, we 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 have a a promotion dilemma, and it's not just sales. And I'll, I'll use external metaphors to bring this home to your audience. But you know, the best hairdresser doesn't make the best hairstyle owner, and the best chef doesn't make the best restauranteur. You know, the ability to drive results through others is not the same as the ability to drive results. Can it benefit you? Definitely. But I mean, the reason we exist, our, our organization, is we believe that most organizations take top performing salespeople, promote them into sales management without a system in place to embed those critical disciplines. That's where we come in. Let's help you embed those disciplines. But even when you're embedding those disciplines, you're, you're, you're swimming upstream against a current that's become overly data orientated. And the argument I would be making, you know, in terms of, you know, leveraging technologies and leveraging everything that's coming our way is, Surely if we could turn the data into a rapid insight to improve coaching and improve their coaching qualification, well, now the data is serving me because now instead of having information, I have insights. And I think that's the key thing. I'm not an anti-tech person. I think the key thing is you've got to find the right and. And imagine a world where I, I have to have a coaching conversation. I'm managing eight people. I'm spread quite thin. But in that coaching conversation, I've got enough information to understand that Alan's challenge is around, you know, deal momentum. And I've got some information and some data points that help me then coach Alan in that space. So I don't have to go hunt for the insight in the information. It's prevalent there. And then I practice that questioning technique. What we don't realize, Paul, is the only way you change people's behavior is through question coaching. So we get this wrong. We think by telling people what to do, they're going to do it. And uh, excuse my poetic license here, but we end up with a lot of ask calls. You know, these are people that ask for advice and they chuck it in a hole. Right, they don't take because they don't want the advice. If they knew what to do, they'd go and do it. Coaching changes it. It says, "Paul, you own the action. You think through the action. You bend your brain." And David Rock's neuroscience on this is clear. When we ask the right questions, we shape the behavior. When I'm consistently saying what specifically in the customer's business will change as a result of working with us, eventually, as if by magic, that frontline person is asking the customer, "Look, I know you want to buy our system, but what specifically you're hoping will change in your business as a result of working with us?" And it's those small seeds, and, and Paul, these aren't big things. These are small things that have exponential, is the right word, impact. But guess what? As with anything in life, the things that are important to do are easy to do. 
and they're also easy not to do. In the chaotic world of sales, too many meetings, too much data, the first thing we're canceling is the number one thing that shifts performance. It's almost like, you know, the aliens are coming and they said, beat me up, Scotty, there's no intelligent life down here because we're repeating the wrong behaviors when we know what good looks like. One of the things that we've done recently in this, uh, this is, I'm not meaning, this is to frankly show how much I'm not tooting my own horn, is I've had to force myself to completely change my schedule uh, because your your um, first meeting canceled, last meeting met, metric measured. is like I had to force myself to completely change my schedule and that of my leaders to be able to make it the first meeting, the first meeting scheduled, kept. And that's absolutely Thanks. critical. And then the other thing, build into the sales process itself. So literally build these these coaching checkpoints into a sales process itself that's saying, and frankly, it's it based on deal size and that type of stuff, but forcing us to ask those questions. So forcing us, so many, it's the same, one of the most important things you could possibly ever do is a pre-call plan with your, with your sales team and your manager and that's to get on the same page, right? And understand it and to be able to ask these questions and challenge each other. But so many people see that as a waste of time because, oh, we, ju- we should just know each other. It's it's one of those things that if you force yourself to do it and have that discipline, the benefits are so incredibly. And that's what I hear when you're talking is how do we how do we engage and force that discipline and how do we engage and enforce accountability, but do it in a way that it's lifting up that uh, that salesperson, not in a way that it's getting my numbers, my numbers right at the yeah. leadership level. You have any tips and, and tricks? And I mean, this is a whole part of you know, it's yeah. exactly it's, Part of it around getting the numbers. So I don't want anyone to think that's not part of the role. But I, I love what you shared. And you know, forcing functions are critical. And I just want you to think about what we do with salespeople. We create a sales process, we create gates in our sales process, we want verifiable outcomes. And I'm saying, okay, great. But as manager, where's your evidence? Where's the gate that you've got to walk the person yep. through that makes sure you're coaching them? And the payoffs are immense because as you develop people, that layer of work moves away from you and you're no longer operating at the you know, the sheer effort sales professional, even though you're a sales manager, you're now unlocking potential in others. And that's the massive win, right? The massive win is as you start to unlock those resources, the sales conversation is changing at the front end. And now sales' house is in order and the pressure shifts. The pressure shifts to operations. You've got to help us keep our promises. Marketing, you have to help us more relevant in the market, right? Admin, you've got to make sure we're not messing up invoices to our customers. But there's a pressure shift where now what I see is because we're not doing that key discipline. And I love what you've said. We don't have it as a forcing function in our businesses. It's easy to cancel it. And it's easy for no one to notice that we're not doing it. So I have a, I have a story that I got to tell you. And I, I want your reaction to this story. And tell me how prevalent this type of thinking is in today's uh, sales, sales culture that we need to change. But I had a guy that come, came to sell me windows, right? Came to sell me windows. Very first thing he did is take off his shoes. Came into my house, sat down. He looked around, looked at the windows, sat down, and he said, "Great. Well, thank you so very much uh, uh, for taking this meeting with me. I'd like to show you a quick video." I said, "Okay, it's great." And he got on a quick video, and there was a president, the president of the company, giving me ten minutes of why their windows were fantastic. And I said, okay, great. Thank you so much for those those videos. I, I really appreciate that. No, I have a very specific thing. I, I I needed windows for my kitchen is the main part. I was like, I need windows here. He goes, wonderful, wonderful. Let me show you a quick video. And he pulled out this video and he showed me this video. And I'm like, 
wait a second. I just asked you, I, I, I lost my patience at this time being a sales professional. I said, I have asked you, I'm going to ask you to leave my house. If you show me another one of those videos, because this is absolutely right, ridiculous. You need your shoes behind. Yeah. <laughs> you need yeah. Well, and that was, he took his shoes off because that was, he was trained to take his shoes off. I think because to, so when he, when he uh, left the house, he could keep selling to me, but, but he showed me this video, but I think a lot of the times that that is what suffices. And then he, he said, I was asking, I was like, why is your process that way? Well, the owner believes that, you know, if, if they, he shows himself uh, the, the most and he gets the message out right, he can con- completely control the message and it's done perfectly. And, you know, therefore I can just show up, show a couple of videos and I win, I win about, you know, 15% of the time. Like, okay, <laughs> that must suck. You know, the guy was miserable. Like he was absolutely yeah. miserable. The concept, though, that I took from that is the, is our assembly line. I, you know, that is a complete, you know, far to the right or far to the left, whichever one you want to say, uh, example of overmanaging and micromanaging. But I think we do that a lot in our modern day sales. Am I am I wrong or what? Do, what do you what do you think there? Yeah, Paul. Unfortunately, it's more prevalent than we realize. And there's a couple of points I want to touch on because it's such a great story. I don't think anyone, you know, listening to this, whether it's for the first time they're listening to you or not, doesn't get what good looks like, right? I mean, I've just said this concept of human to human selling. I'm like, have you been asleep at the wheel? I mean, this has been what we've been doing for our profession, right? But the challenge is, is we we want to dictate the ingredients and the recipe and the chef. And what we do is we rob people of their authenticity. And there's a big concept that's being proven right now that the real shift is not value-based selling, but it's values-based selling. So I sell with noble purpose. I sell with integrity. I sell with these things, but I'm, I'm present. Now, this seller is following a process. And here's the irony. They close 15% of their deals. So if they don't hit their number, their manager is going to say, just go suck in front of more pools. Just go be useless in front of more pools. Just go do more damage to our brand. And we step back and we're going, but surely we've matured beyond this. And the reality is, Paul, we have. But what happens is we default to the efficient behaviors of just moving forward. And we don't take the time to, and that's why, remember, coaching is the most powerful reflection tool because it's forced reflection. And we know if you've studied the power of reflection, right, you can change the trajectory of your life, but it's forced reflection. So we 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 try that. We do the thing and the videos don't work. And in the sales meeting, we're discussing and we're discussing why. And then we remove the videos and we just continue to enhance. But we don't do this now. It's almost like a fire and forget. Let's just get the troops out there. And I would argue that a lot of the, the growth, especially if you look at companies that sell in the technology space, a lot of that growth in the space, they were riding that wave. But now they're drowning under that same wave because you can no longer just be on that wave. You've actually got to become a sales professional. And think about the days of a frontline sales leader who 80% of the time was on the road with salespeople coaching them. Now, we don't have to be 80% of the time. We can use technology to be far more efficient and far more effective at what we do. But instead, what we've done is we've actually dropped the discipline. And we've said, surely if they want to hit the number, they're coin-operated, they will do it. Surely if I remind them 70 times of where they are, where they, where they should be, they will magically change because they can't read data. Surely then we'll change. And I know with any leader I speak to, they don't buy that. It's just that they get caught into a cultural rut of let's treat, I love the metaphor you use, let's treat this as a production line. And this isn't a production line. This is a complex behavior of persuading people of the value we can bring to them. And to do that, we have to unlock human potential, enhance it with AI, enhance it with technology, enhance it with, with methodology, but we actually have to unlock the humanness. 
And that's what I think we're missing because if the design point's not the conversation, we're making the mistakes all the time because you're not going, wait a minute, how does this improve the conversation? And just that filter starts to change an organizational culture. I did a uh, I did a LinkedIn post. Uh, it was about a year ago now, but I I had the the blessing to run a sales as a service organization for a lot of years, right? And one of the cool things about that is we we were able to capture a whole lot of data. It was awesome, right? You know, the most single most effective thing that drove opportunities forward with a salesperson was an effective conversation, and we had we had the reps self score that, right? So that the biggest, the highest corollary, so that you saying that we start with that, so we start with that and we build a team, we're building a team around it. We're not building a, and a team is a com- composition of people that technology comes in, uh, but we have to build those leaders. We have to build that ability to have that. It's just so refreshing. So I thank you. This yeah. has been awesome. I love it. Excellent. We're coming to the end of our time together. If I was going to summarize Alan's top things for companies to do to start down a a coaching path, right? To start down actually coaching well for sales teams. What would the top three things be? The first and foremost is we have to understand that we can't make time. We can only take and protect time. The first thing you have to do is you have to establish a non-negotiable coaching cadence. I don't care initially what you do in that hour or that 30 minutes or whatever it is, but the frequency and the consistency of that matters, right? And that's the key thing. Because remember, our team behaves how we behave and based on what we allow. If we don't honor coaching, what we're saying is, I don't care about your development. It's actually what we're saying, Paul. I don't care about your development. So that's number one. You have to establish the cadence. You have to protect it in calendar. Once you protect it in calendar, you have to have a behavior-focused coaching approach. And the one we use very simply put is called ICE. So keep your cool, stop talking, keep your cool, and be the GPS, not the driver. Identify the gap through questions, clarify the root cause through questions, explore the actions through questions. People are seven times more likely to take an action they came up with. So stop thinking they're being efficient by going, well, I could have told them that in the first 30 seconds makes you smarter. Yes, if you know that's what they're going to do, then guide them there. So you have to do that second rules that protect the time and then be patient in the time. Be patient with what you're trying to do. And then the final one is something you said, know your paradigm and intent. You know, so if, if I I have the slide where I show, I call her my sales queen and she's got a, you know, all the business stuff. She's got a healthy pipeline. She forecasts accuracy. She takes care of a CRM data, all the external stuff. She has relevant conversations. She maximizes account value. She moves deals forward. Wonderful. If you want that person, you're not going to hire them. You develop them through coaching, which means they need coaching conversations. So the third one I'd say is make sure we have the paradigm right. Are we coaching the conversation? Are we coaching the pipeline? Are we coaching the number? By the way, it's okay to talk about the number. It's part of our job. But are you coaching that they know the gaps they've got to take to close it as opposed to telling them? So if I had to wrap that all around, forget about efficiency when it comes to people and focus on effectiveness because it pays long-term dividends. And then finally, Paul, it's understanding that you know from our business, Coaching is one of nine nine key disciplines you need as a sales manager, right? So, but it's the one that if you want to unlock potential, all the data supports it. Yet we're spending so much money in other areas and getting pulled into irrelevant meetings at the cost of our talent. And here's my frustration: I don't like the way Hollywood portrays sales professionals. 
you know, and professions, like any profession, you're always practicing. Doctors practice, lawyers practice, sales professionals practice. And the person that helps us become good practitioners is a good coach and sales manager. So leverage the data, leverage the tools, leverage the methodologies, leverage these things, but they don't replace the power of an, an effective management coach. Thank you for focusing on this with me, by the way. I, I truly appreciate the, the deep dive here and the knowledge you bring in. And this this has already been so helpful for me, so I, I'm going to project that it's going to be extremely helpful for, for the listeners. Can I have you back? You, you talked about the nine things, right? I would love to have you back and talk about if coaching is one, I want to talk about the other critical things from a sales manager's perspective and dive, start to dive deep into each of those. Cause I think it'll be really, and really just start to dive. Right. Hmm. Um, I'm glad we took this one first, but are you willing to to dive in with me on the other ones that you're seeing out there? Yeah, definitely. Happy to do this. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, how do people get in contact with you, uh, Alan, if they want to, if they, are interested in learning more about this stuff? Well, well the good news is there's only one Alan Fistiev in the world. So, you know, it's hard to pronounce and even hard to smell. So if you stick it in any search engine, you'll find us. But, so uh, I can say Versteeg, right? You're correct. Everyone does. Unless you're Dutch, <laughs> you'll say Versteeg. Um, and it's basically clearing your throat. So if anything got stuck in your throat, just say my surname. Versteeg. Um, yeah, Versteeg. Um, but yeah, if you type it into the search engine, but you know, on LinkedIn, you're going to find me very active. And then our organization is Growth Matters INTL for international, growthmattersintl.com. Um, yeah, and that's what we do. We focus on embedding sales management disciplines in organizations. Well, keep it up, man. I know the uh, I know some of the customers that you're working with. I know that they're extremely happy with the business and the, the work that you're doing for them. Keep keep on building into those salespeople, sales managers, sales leaders, sales operations diving in with them because we're all about here we're all about elevating the sales profession and i i'm right in line with you that's where we got to be right we are not we're not the hollywood salespeople. we're people that take this truly seriously dive in and when you get right down to it the people that want to lead serve and wayfind really really well so thank you for what you're doing i truly appreciate it yeah and thank you i want to thank you and and you know the podcast we we need voices of sanity and what I love about what you share and the guests you have on is let's just keep bringing that voice of sanity. A lot of what we're sharing, these aren't new breakthrough concepts. Yep. It's just saying, hey, guys, as with anything, there's some fundamental disciplines, practice consistently over time, get us to greatness. And then we can leverage all of these wonderful tools available to us to scale that. So thank you for being a voice of reason in this profession. We'll keep it up, man. We'll keep it up. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us with Alan today. Keep shining bright out there. And that's it for today's session of the Art and Science of Complex Sales. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Art and Science of Complex Sales. Please take a moment, like, subscribe, share this podcast on all your favorite platforms, and let's get the word out. This podcast is proud to be brought to you by Membrane.com. We are the world's top B2B sales platform. And in the world of B2B sales, with everything from prospecting to business acquisition to managing complex growth, Membrane has the right size technology for your sales team. Our latest innovation, the Coaching Cockpit, empowers your leaders, managers, and team with the information and tools they need to take their skills to the next level and to take advantage of the exponential power of effective sales coaching. With our technology and the top team of sales partners around the world, Membrane is helping to achieve our driving vision. This is, quite simply, 
elevating the sales profession. To learn more, find us at www.membrane.com. That is M-E-M-B-R-A-I-N.com or contact us via email at sales at membrane.com. Keep shining bright and have a wonderful day.